Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tech Vines. If you're into geeks and if you're into grapes, this is the podcast for you. I am uh, Scott Delaney. I am uh, one of the co-hosts here, and I am joined by my colleagues, uh, Melissa Gurney-Green and Colin Gallagher. How are you guys doing? Oh, doing just well, great. doing well. Excellent, excellent. So we have a, a packed agenda for tonight's podcast. Um, I know I've been doing a lot of homework over the last couple of days to get ready for this, but uh, tonight for we, we do say what for, for once. once, not true. Um, so <laughs> unlike tonight, last week, <laughs> tonight we well right. So tonight we decided we were going to do something a little bit different. Now normally we each get a uh, an individual bottle of wine and we select whatever it is we decide to drink and we talk about you know what the wine is, why we chose it, uh, and discuss the, um, uh, the the taste and compare it right. Um, but we thought last week what would be fun is that if we all tried, and keyword being try, uh, to drink the same bottle of wine. So um, we selected a Pinot Noir for tonight, and uh, we went out and uh, I ordered uh, bottles for everybody, and everyone was supposed to have them delivered um, at the beginning of the week, but we had one little mishap. So if you hear a doorbell in the background, that's Melissa, because that is her bottle of wine uh, being delivered. Um, it's out for delivery as we speak. But uh, as the true trooper she is, she was able to adapt and overcome and has uh, selected something else. Um, so we can have our wine tasting and we can discuss it. And uh, as promised from last week, Colin's going to give us a little tutorial on how to properly taste wine and what to look for and how to use all of your senses as you're experiencing your nice glass of wine. So that's the first part and probably the most important part, but the technology discussion we decided um, to go over is to talk a little bit about movies and some of the movies that were based on technology. Um, and we decided not to cover every possible movie, but to talk about one that is kind of an old school type of a movie and then talk about something that's a little bit more recent. So. With that said, Colin and I are drinking a uh, Pinot Noir. It is, uh, it's complicated. Um, not just Colin or myself or the wine, but the actual <laughs> label is called complicated. Um, so um, I'm on my second glass. I think Colin's probably on his uh, second as well. I'm not, no, and, I'm, on my, well, I'm on my first mostly. For, okay, first. All right. Well, you get some <laughs> you get time. You get time. And then, Melissa, what did you go as your backup plan? I got an Oregon Pinot. So this is a, um, this is off center. It's a 2017 um, Willamette Valley Pinot Noir. So I, I tried to get something that was at least close. So off center spelled um, the oh. European way. Off so, center. Yes. I like it. That's pretty cool. That's pretty, I think I saw that when I was actually um, shopping for, uh, for, for this one. Um, but I had my heart set on doing something from California, so I went with a uh, Sonoma Coast, which is the, um, the bottle that Colin and I have, and you will be having, hopefully, at some point in time. Tomorrow. Just, yeah, <laughs> tomorrow, well, tomorrow or tonight. tonight or yeah. next you, week, you, you have know. three hours on us, so you still have time to, to <laughs> yeah. make up for it. So, um, okay, so Colin, why don't you take us through? So, what are you drinking? How do we, what are we doing wrong? I'm sure, you know, I, I know I don't know what I'm doing. I just basically crack it open and. You know, as long as it doesn't burn as it's going down, I consider it to be, you know, something that's drinkable. But what, what should we actually be looking for? So, yeah, I'll, I'll just give a quick lesson and we can do more. And so, like I said, I am not the expert in this. I, I, um, I had the I have a great privilege of having a friend who 
um, graduated from MIT with a PhD in military science, and then decided after she had kids that she was going to become a sommelier. Um, and so she took, um, you know, a series of three levels of exams. She took them to pass to become a master sommelier. And literally, you have to be able to tell wine by taste at, at blind taste testing. So it's really in, in, insane and interesting. Um, and so just, you know, hearing her go through the story was interesting. But then she also said, you know, hey, here's the official way in which you should taste. So first, you know, you want to look before you do anything else. And one of the trips tricks that she taught me was take a white piece of paper, hold your glass over it. And that gives you a consistent background to see what the actual true color of the wine is. I'm doing that right now. Yep. So it's a Pinot. So it's a, it's a, you know, a lighter red. Yeah. So it's, a, but it, yeah. so you can see it's, if, if, if in the glass, it doesn't look transparent, but when you hold it over the paper, you can see that it's actually a transparent red. So you, that would give you a hint that it's a Pinot. It's a lighter red, right? Mm -hmm. um, you also want to see the, you want to look at, I don't care what she called it, but where the, I guess I call them the legs. She called them something else where the wine hits the glass. That's that surface contact area. And you want to see how, rapid the color changes so you see there's a little bit of clear liquid around it yeah and then there's a color change um generally the older wines well first of all older wines have less color the color ages out of them uh, but also they have a more gradual color transition there so you'll get more you know it doesn't look you know it'll be a smoother gradient in your powerpoint speak scott yes uh, <laughs> the harsher gradient yeah um so that's one and then you, then you want to see how well it sticks to the side of the glass how it moves um that has to do with um uh, you know, sugar and other things can help it cling to the glass more. It changes it, so it'll give you an idea of, of the sugar content even before you taste it and try it. Um, and there are a bunch of other things. Um, obviously, the smell, we all know about the smell. I'm going to talk, you know, but, and this is controversial. This is controversial. Uh, it depends. We love controversy on tech yeah, lines. We're all about the, controversy. Yeah, this is, this is a psalm controversy about whether you, where in the glass you're supposed to put your nose when you smell it. Okay. Now, supposedly, and, and I've done this sometimes, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. If you sniff the side closest to you, you'll get more fruit flavor. And if you sniff the top side, you'll get more um, other 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 aromas and, and alcohol. Yeah. So you want so you want to put your nose squarely in the middle so you get both because it has to do with the fruit aromas are apparently heavier, the other ones are lighter. Blah 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 blah. So yeah, so. So anyhow, so put your nose squarely in the middle because um, otherwise you'll distort it. But hmm. I mean, literally, you can put your nose at the bottom and start sniffing. I'm still fascinated. Up. I'm still fascinated. And the aroma changes as you go from top to bottom. I'm still fascinated by the surface because I never noticed that it's like clear at top on the yeah. top. And then you mm -hmm. can see it kind of yeah. you know, transition to a gradient, yeah. if you would. Right. right. So that is kind of cool. So that's a fun yeah. little fact. And then, you know, on the tasting, you want to taste, have a taste in the front of your mouth and the back of your mouth. You probably, people probably have heard this before. Um, you know, the back of the mouth is the finish or how it ends um, and the flavor is different. Um, and so, yeah, but so that's just my, that's my quick pr um, primer on it. I'm happy to do more, but yeah. Well, did you know a fun fact for uh, the uh, uh, Pinot uh, Noir is that it is the healthiest of the healthy wines. Oh, really? So, yeah. Really? So I was doing a little bit of research. So. Um, because it is a, you know, a, a medium bodied, uh, red, um, it's considered to be healthier than, you know, a cab, a Merlot, anything like that. So, um, the recommendation is actually 
so a little bit of a sexist comment. I didn't write it. I'm just reading what I saw on the internet is that supposedly, you know, it's healthy for um, females to have one glass of wine a day. However, it's healthy for men to have two glasses of wine a day. And I don't know how they made that distinction. And I don't, I don't get why that would be, but that's basically what the, uh, the research says uh, online in terms of how much wine you should be drinking on a daily basis, which is good to know. And then, of course, as you, you're doing that, then like the next thing that comes up as you're doing the Google search is, am I an alcoholic? <laughs> so, oh, my. It's kind of funny. Anyway, um, yeah, so, uh, so, so cool. How's yours, Melissa? It's great. It's great. And I would say that there are biological advantages and disadvantages to each gender that maybe it isn't sexist to say that we should only have one, right? <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I love this wine. It's smooth. It's. I would definitely drink it again. I haven't tried it before this podcast, but yes. I was not a big Pinot Noir person, right? So, um, you know, I've had I've had it in the past, but I thought this would be you know, something that's, you know, outside of what I would normally get. And I'm, I'm definitely glad I did. And uh, I would probably, I would definitely get this again. I mean, this was pretty reasonable. It was under 20 bucks for the bottle. Um, I signed up for the free shipping on wine.com so I can ship anywhere, of course. May not get there on time. So that's a, another problem all in of itself. But um, but no, good stuff. Definitely good stuff. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually impressed. I'm not a huge Pinot fan either. And... I think this Pinot has a decent amount of body and some substance and a little bit of, it's a little heavier than I would expect in a normal Pinot, um, at least a California Pinot, um, which I find to be sort of light. Oregon Pinots tend to have a little more earthiness to them, which I like, um, as, as do some French Pinots. But for a, for a California Pinot, this is really, really nice. I will definitely wear this one too. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So we got that out of the way in almost record time. So that's, uh, so that's good. So the other part for uh, the discussion tonight was um, movies, right? We're all watching lots of movies. Uh, we spoke last week. I can't remember if it was after we finished recording, but we talked about the upcoming uh, Umbrella Academy uh, mm-hmm. season two. So I'm, I'm kind of almost halfway through that. So those are, are pretty good. I won't give anything away for folks that, that haven't seen it yet, but something that I know we've been looking forward to um, since the end of season one. So um, great to see that. So I have my movies, and I, I am almost certain that there is going to be overlap. Um, and I'm reasonably sure that it's probably going to be a, a three-way overlap because I think there's commonality in terms of the, uh, the films that we'll pick. But I don't know. We could, we could be surprised. So, Melissa, why don't you start with your cinema choice in terms of you know, a movie that featured uh, technology as part of the, the main plot um, for the um, for the storyline. Oh goodness! <laughs> so, how old school is old school? First, so of you all. didn't do your homework then. I I did do my homework. Um, okay. And then I promptly forgot the name of the movie. Uh, ah. So, so, how old school are we talking? Let's, let's that what, what, I mean, we're all you know, we're all over forty, so. Um, whatever, I, whatever you want it to be. So is it like 20 years old school or is it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm going way old. I'm going pretty old, but yeah, I got two. Cause, yeah. All so right. why don't, why don't you go Colin and I will, I will bring it back. So I'm going to go with one of, one of the first science fiction movies I ever saw as a kid. Um, and 
well, um, the Andromeda Strain, nice. which is out in 1971, um, based on the book by Michael Crichton um, before he did Dinosaurs and became super popular. Um, um, Very topical nowadays with a pandemic. Yes. What I love about mm-hmm. it, I mean, for the, pre- the premise of it is a satellite comes back from space, crashes in New Mexico someplace, I think, right? Um, or someplace in, you know, out there in the Southwest. And a it has bringing us it brings a space-borne pathogen that then kills a good portion of this town and um, government scientists are sent in to investigate and figure out what the what the what the what that is and will it spread etc um and so you know it's what i like about it is it's realistic in terms of the path and the science is, is real and could you know theory could happen today the 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 facility they're using the the protection mechanisms are all still you know things that we still use today in terms of biocontainment, et cetera. Um, and it's just a super interesting story and the, and the twist and how they figure out is really interesting. And I think, um, you know, I think it was also the first time I ever saw computerized effects in, in, in a movie. And so I think that was also sort of blown me, blown me away as well. So it's one of my, um, one of my, one of my favorites, my standbys on um, the book is also amazing. If you ever want to read the book, um, and they actually track reasonably well together. Um, but yeah, um, What's Great. what's interesting about that one is that's that is like an old movie that actually really stands up pretty mm-hmm. well, right? That I remember, and this was probably I don't know maybe five or six years ago now. It happened to be on, and I was like, oh, I remember this movie, and I got I got sucked in, and I watched it because I couldn't remember how it actually ended. So I was like, oh, I I forgot what what happens here. So, but but it wasn't. I mean, some of these things you remember seeing as a kid and 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 being blown away by it, and then when you see it. You know, 30, 40 years later, it's like, oh my God, that was a that was a train wreck. What was I thinking, right? Mm-hmm. No, but that's a solid selection. Melissa, do you uh, Google yours yet, or do you want me to go? Do you need yeah, more time? Yeah, I got mine. I've got you got mine. yours. Okay, it's, you go. So, so I went kind of off script because I expected certain things out of um, you. Well, Scott. <laughs> so I I went Prince of Darkness, and it's Ooh. 1987 um john carpenter movie so it's um kind of one of those apocalypse movies but they get super nerdy into the science it's also got like a fabulous review of 80s fashion which is just great and this weird kind of awkward nerdiness about the relationships between the cast that i love but um it's basically a story about a group of scientists that um go to explore this random kind of unexplained thing that's happening in the basement of this old church that's been since abandoned right and and they go in and there's like the math expert and the linguistics expert and then a bunch of physicists right of varying disciplines and and they go and they try to figure this out and they end up kind of there's this foreshadowing that that the apocalypse is coming are right about now so <laughs> so this whole whole notion of of the future uh, being kind of predicted through through this dream signal that's also a video and and everything and and the graphics are of course terrible because it's 1987 but it's still an interesting and entertaining movie to me so I enjoyed it thoroughly. So I don't remember, but would that hold up? Is that something you think would hold up to to today? I don't think the technology holds up to today, but but the scientific background, whoever did that, did their homework. So, so a lot of the kind of discussions are still, 
are still relevant to to what we know about science today and um i think i think it's still entertaining and and i've i've watched it recently and i i found it entertaining so i think it holds oh all right I mean, cool. there are some things that aren't socially acceptable in the movie, of course, but beyond that, yeah, it holds. All right, uh, I will have to uh, add that to my. Uh... Yeah, I have, to, I have to go back and rewatch it. Yeah, yeah, I I remember, I kind of remember, but I don't like remember it. Um, yeah. Mine's a very simple one, and I'm 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 actually kind of shocked that no one picked this one because I was like, this is such an obvious one. But I went with, you know, a classic: Matthew Broderick, Ali Sheedy. Shall we play a game? I, I that was my I, second choice, and I, I didn't pick it because I knew you would. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm talking about war games, and and you know the cool thing about war games is that it was really, I mean, one of the first. You could argue 2001: A Space Odyssey, although I I don't I can't remember the year that that came out. It's probably older, but it was a toss up between that and, and war games. But I like the war games one because the whole premise was you know a, basically a you know a high school kid. You know, is looking for uh, a video game, and he's trying to hack into the uh, to the company that's developing the game. And this is all like you know, late '70s, early '80s technology. So he just has a uh, uh, an Intel 8080, like you know, mm-hmm. this big old just brick with this little black and white screen um, uh, monitor. But basically, he goes in and he starts just dialing around California, just looking for anything that would pick up that 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 is a modem. And he was just trying to randomly guess what the number would be to find the company. And, and he ended up dialing into what ended up being a, a military um, uh, computer. And, you know, the famous line of, you know, shall we play a game? And then, the you know, the games pop up and it's like, you know, tic-tac-toe and checkers. And I forget what it was. But one of the games was Global Thermonuclear War. And, of course, you see that and you're in high school. You're like, hell, yeah, I'll play that. And he ends up kicking off a what's supposed to be a, a simulation but has this domino effect where the simulation is so real that everybody thinks that we're on the verge of World War III and people are getting ready to to um, literally launch, launch missiles and, and wipe everything out. But the whole premise in terms of the technology is that the, the plot is basically the, the computer is designed to do these simulations because it's trying to teach itself. So what's the winning strategy? So if there is, you know, this global thermonuclear war, how do you survive it? And what's the strategy? And what do you bomb? And, and all of that. And, and the way they're able to actually, I'm not ruining the plot for anybody, but um, the way they're actually able to shut it down is, is they have the computer just run through all of these simulations, like playing tic-tac-toe with itself, that it realizes that every time it plays, it ends up in a draw. And so the whole... You know, the whole ending of it is basically the computer starts to run all these simulations of all these war games and determines that there can be no winner. And so as a result, the best option is to not even start the war because no one would ever win. Right. So cool movie. Um, Don't know if it would hold up. I think, you know, if you put it in front of a, you know, a a 13 year old and they watched it, you know, they would probably be kind of you know, interested in just how old things look. And, you know, obviously the, uh, you know, what people were wearing at the time and just the cars and, you know, having these phones that had wires that hang off of them and connect onto a wall, all this bizarre stuff that you never really thought existed. Um, so I, I don't, again, I don't know how well it would, would age, but, you know, you got Ali Sheedy, you got Matthew Broderick, Dabney Coleman. I mean, it was a pretty good, pretty good cast. So 
So good movie. Good movie. I remember seeing it in the theater. So so what you yeah. just mentioned brought up something for me that um, came up today, oddly. Um, have you ever heard of the Lebowski theorem for AI? Lebowski I, as in the big Lebowski? As in the big Lebowski, yes. Okay. Please educate us. <laughs> so the theorem, in short, is simply no super intelligent AI is going to bother with a task that is harder than hacking its reward function. So basically, once AI figures out how to hack their reward function, they're just going to sit and be the dude on the couch. Right. Um, so so in in that kind of talk around this, this computer kind of figuring out there's no way you could win, there's the couch, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> the Lebowski nice. theorem. Okay. I like that. Interesting. I'm yeah, make I mean, a point to, wor to work that into conversation tomorrow somehow. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to find a way to slip that into something. Um, I, I love that. The, <laughs> the, the there was a reason that was in my top two, Scott, is because, I, you know, same thing. I was I skipped school to go see it. I remember that. Um, but the tech was so real for the time. I oh, was, was doing BBSs and dialing in at the same time. It was the yep. it was the first tech movie that spoke to me as a geek. Um, um, and so, yeah, it was totally, you know, it was believable technology. There were some, you know, some, you know, um, artistic license and you know um, suspension of disbelief but it was totally you know dialing and the repeat the you know the printer paper it was the shit that we did at the time yeah so yeah it was totally, the yeah. the other cool thing about it was it was one of the first movies that i can think of that actually you know was used the plot was basically used in a, in a video game so if you remember the you know the old 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 ataris like the first generation ataris with the cartridges that you would put mm -hmm. in one of the games that you could get for it was uh was war games, right? Completely different. I mean, it wasn't, you know, AI or machine learning or anything like that, but it was just the fact that, yeah. you know, the, just the, the, uh -huh. the, the, the whole idea yeah. of, you know, having a machine and, and being able to, um, you know, have it do those types of things and, and be smart was kind of cool at the time. So. Yeah. Have you guys, did you guys read Ready Player One? No. Didn't read it. I saw it. It's on the list so, though. Um, uh, the, uh, I liked the movie. I thought it was good. The book is even more of an homage to the '80s, and I get I get how they had to, you know, change some of the challenges from the move from the book to the movie to make it both, um, um, as I say, um, both you know, consumable by, by an audience because like there's one the very first challenge where he finds the the thing is actually a D and D game, a live action D and D game, which would be slow and boring for an audience and a little too geeky. The second challenge, um, so they could turn that into a car race or something. Um, um, and the second challenge is um, is you actually you actually get put into war games, and you have to recite all the lines. And if you don't, you get penalized. <laughs> so I was like, I really oh, wish they'd amazing. done that. I'm sure that he can get the license <laughs> to do it. It would have been boring, but yeah, I thought that was like a, that was like a, that was a perfect like test of your '80s knowledge. Can you go into an '80s movie and recite all the lines? Wow. Yeah. The 80s had a lot of really good movies. And I, I mean, I I get hooked. Like if I see something that's on, that will like literally ruin my whole day. Because it'll be like, oh my God, this is on. You know, so I have to stop and and, uh, and and watch it. Anything with John Candy in it, for some reason, I'm like immediately drawn to that. And that becomes, all right, here's my afternoon. Well, um, anything from 77 forward, really. Um, all, all the way to maybe 89, I would say. Yeah, because you then you had to have a story. You had to have a plot. It wasn't about making things 
blow up, right? Because you, you didn't have the technology <laughs> yeah. to do it. Yeah. Which which brings me to the um, to the second movie. So um, second choice, um, I'll start because I'm kind of teeing it up here. Was uh was Wally, and mm. you know it's why? it's why the, the less about the technology and just about the storytelling because if you remember the movie, and it, the coolest part of that movie was the fact that for the first I don't know 45 minutes, 50 minutes, there was no dialogue. And right. they just told the story through just, you know, watching Wally, you know, go about his day and, you know, his little friend, the cockroach, and then finding Eve and all of that. But there was no dialogue. So it was all just a very, you know, visual and the, you know, the music and, um, oh, God, what was the musical that was in it? It wasn't My Fair Lady. Was it My Fair Lady? Where um, somewhere. It was music, man. No, it's time Maybe to do it was. I forget search. what it was, but just just that whole thing, um, you know, tying it into the uh, to the old movie with I think it was, was it Barbara Streisand. I can't. Hello, remember. Dolly. Hello, Dolly. Hello, Dolly. Yes. I just Googled, yeah. That that was it. Yes, yes. So so that so um, you know, and very cool. Matter of fact, I ended up watching Hello, Dolly only because I wanted to see what that movie was and how that actually connected into uh, in, into Wally. So. I used to know the I used to know the words to the song. I don't think I know it anymore, but I used to be able to sing right along. Another one of my show tunes, right? It's not all just um, um, oh God, what, what am I thinking of? I'm hairspray. Here. Hairspray, right? <laughs> not just hairspray. There's there's other things that I have uh, in the show tune category. What about you guys? Oh goodness, um, I'd say for me more recently, probably the arrival. Um, I just, I just love the story and the way that it was kind of put together and that you were kind of immersed into this, um, scenario around the perception of time and, and this person who perceives time differently than other people, but you don't really catch that until the very end when you realize that you've seen the end of her story already through her memories and her kind of depression around, um, losing her daughter, but then at, at the end of their encounter with, with this alien species or whatever it is, you realize that she's really at the beginning of that story, and she just met the father of said daughter that she knows she's going to lose, and she makes the choice anyway. And it's just, it was super interesting to me, and it pulled me in in a way that, that, um, that I don't think most movies do and the, and the idea behind like alien communication and and technology and and all of the kind of steps you'd have to go through to get any kind of authorization to do something like that was just super kind of impressive to me um i th- i thought it was a very original concept in a time where we're not really embracing originality so yeah. yeah, totally. And I mean, I love, I geeked off on that because of the communications aspect and the language aspect, but yeah, it's, that's definitely up there. Yeah. What's yours, Colin? Mine is The Martian. Really? Mm. Yes. That was a good movie. Yeah. 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 Um, it was a good movie. It was a great book. Um, it was, you know, sort of written by a geek who just decided that he was going to write it. You know, he's going to tell a story and he wasn't a writer to begin with. And um, so just that backstory, like someone who actually wishes they could write a movie, I'm, you know, sort of like, like sort of jealous of a book first, jealous of that. But also it's sort of it's about practical human challenges and how you have to solve them. And the you know, it's sort of it's you know, it's 
relatively realistic base and sort of the challenges, but it also presents the fact that, you know, somewhat to your point, Melissa, but going off plan is going to be hard and there are tons and tons of challenges we need to solve from, you know, it's not just like, hey, how do we get up there fast? It's like, how do we actually live up there and how do we deal with lower gravity and how, would, how do we deal with food supply and everything else? So yeah, I thought it was really, you know, because I, you know, from a geeky point of view about how you actually make things work and live, I thought it was fantastic. I, you know, I, that... I love that movie too. <laughs> so yeah. cheers. Yeah, good good movie. I think I saw that. I probably saw that one on a, on a flight at some point in time. But yeah, because I, I wasn't like really into like the space movies, but that was not what you would consider to be like a space movie because it was really, it was about survival. It was about an engineer and how the engineer would encounter a problem and have to, all right, well, how do I solve this problem where, you know, setting up the satellite connection where you only had like, I forget what it was couple of minutes where you could actually like talk to somebody and mm-hmm. you know and, and so that was that was cool again it's from a from a kind of an engineering perspective mm-hmm. you know yeah. going through and having those problems and, and, and not getting deterred by you know every time you open one door there's another door behind it that you have to figure out well how do i unlock this door so so yeah that was a cool one that was a good one all right we got all solid selections what else do you guys want to talk about? What do you got going on for uh, the rest of the week? I know Colin's got a big weekend coming up. He's been, uh, if you if you don't follow Colin on his Instagram or Strava or anything like that, you probably don't know. But uh, Colin has decided to channel Rocky. And he's out, you know, training Ooh. like a beast every day. Um, he's got a half marathon he's running on uh, on Saturday. So, so that'll Yay, be fun. Good luck. Yep. I am. I am. I am. I am. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I was. I'm looking at the weather forecast. And it's going to be unusually cool this Saturday, so that's nice. Um, I found that um, my um, my the, I, I, unlike biking, that I find the heat kicks my ass more when I run than when I bike. So it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Makes sense. Yeah. Hydrate. 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 That's like what I tell yeah. everybody now is. So I come back from every time I run, and I I try to get in 40 ounces, and in, in, you know within the first half hour of that, and it, it definitely helps me feel better. It really helps with the soreness. Mm-hmm. It helps kind of push the lactic acid yeah. out. So um, that's my one, one my one tip. Matter of fact, I wish I was drinking more water years ago when I started running because I I don't feel the as much pain as I as I used to because I think that that was a big problem was just not getting enough um, hydration. So. That's the uh, the one lesson that uh, that I learned. Yep. What about you, Melissa? What do you got going on? You got any keynotes, any big events? I'm planning for the next HashiConf, but that's in October, so that just started. Um, really, this weekend's going to be pretty chill. I might yes. fin- finally finish the stairs upstairs. I had started them before the outbreak, and because the kids have been home pretty much all the time. I haven't really had a chance to glue things down and and let them sit long enough for the kids not to destroy it. So I'll probably do some home remodeling and um, watch a few shows and movies. Um, I did start the Umbrella Academy, so I'll probably get into a few more episodes of that. Um, But also probably pull up Alien, which would have been my honorable mention because Uh amazing movie, but yeah. Yeah, I thought someone mentioned that as well, but yes, that's my dude. Sigourney Weaver, you can't beat it. Yeah. 
So that's a classic. And then I what are there? There's like five or six of them now. The yeah. first one was good. The second was good. And even the third one was good. And then I think yeah. after that, then it kind of went off. Once once Sigourney was no longer featured in it, then I think they kind of went off the rails. Yeah, um, the rest of them started including like other creatures and eh, like yeah. after the third one, nah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but the first but, couple. And sure. Because again, what was cool about those is that, you know, you're talking, you know, 70s, 80s as far as technology um, for making the movie. So you mm-hmm. didn't have all of the, the special effects and the computer generated animation and anything like that. So, uh, so, and, you know, I, yeah, talking about standing up too, like those movies stand up pretty hard. Get, oh, given yeah. that The first one was made in the 70s. Holy shit. And, and it'll still scare you when the monster jumps out of the guy's mm-hmm. you know, stomach. That gets you every time. And you know it's coming. Mm-hmm. And you're like yep. hiding underneath the pillow because you know it's going to pop out. And it's like, oh, my God, they got me again. So, yep. well, cool. So uh, back on the wine topic. Yes, please. So yes. I, I did break the tie. I have a second glass of wine here. Oh, my goodness. Which is the... Um, uh, Tequila based. Um... The, yeah, the Cooper and oh, Thief, God. right? Cooper and Thief, yes. right? Yes. Oh God. Um, and I had some before we opened. I opened the Pinot, and I actually like it. There you go. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's um. It's nice. It's drinkable. It's different. It is different. Um. I don't get the gasoline or the hotness from it, and I don't get a lot of alcohol. Um. There's a lot of vanilla and other flavors to it. It's it's a lot for a white wine, um. Which is what sort of you know I have a. a you know, a little bit of a disconnect with, but it's definitely a great wine. Yeah. There I feel go. vindicated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well done. Yeah. Well done. Colin's the expert. You were definitely vindicated. <laughs> well, I, 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 again, I, it was definitely different. Um, and I don't know what you would like, if you were going out for a meal or something, I would probably never get that because what would you pair it with? But if you're just having a glass of wine, it's, it's mm-hmm. different enough that it, I thought it was. It was pretty interesting, but it was it was stinging when I got the text saying this stuff tastes like gasoline or whatever yeah. it was. I was like, oh my god! And then I was like, I think I may have oversold it. So I'll have to get another bottle. And, You're uh, fine. Yeah. Okay. All right. No, I don't feel bad. Yeah, and I really like. It. I mean, I think again, it's it's um, um, it's it'd be different, difficult to pair with something because it's got a lot of flavor, but it could be actually a good dessert wine, even though it's not sweet. Cause it's got all, it's got the vanilla and those other kind of flavors, which you pair with them. That's sort of what I'm thinking, or just in lieu of a dessert, have it, you know, cause it's, yeah. But yeah. Hmm. It's, it's tequila and wine. How could you possibly go wrong? What, 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 what bad stories ever happen after mixing tequila and wine? I can't think of, well, I can't think of too many. Let's yeah. just say that. Can't think of a dozen yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I'm liking the Pinot Noir. I think this was a yeah, no, I'm solid impressed, yeah. Yeah. stock up. This is, this is my bottles. last glass for the week because to, to, tomorrow morning I start drinking water in preparation for the run. I'm going to start That's right. You're in hydrating. Yep. That is a fabulous glass, by the way. What's um, going to be your um, – Thank you. What's going to be it, your, your pre-run meal? What are you planning on doing? Are you going to do the bagel and peanut butter and banana and that whole thing? Have you thought about it yet? I haven't thought about it yet. I was going to Google it. I was, I figured, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I'm gonna. I, I did a little bit of reading about carb loading, and it seems to me like you know, carb loading for one night is doesn't really work. You need to carb load for like weeks, and I haven't been so screw that. So I think I'm just gonna eat a re- reasonable meal. Oh, I think do I have any? I hope I have some shoes left um, from riding. I think I have a few left. I'll take some of those with me, and just have a sort of a normal breakfast. 
Yeah, do it normal. Do it normal. If you haven't been car, car blowing in, just do it normal. Like, the the biggest thing is plan your restroom for the morning. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do coffee, do it early enough to where you get that stuff I made that mistake a couple weeks ago. I made that mistake a couple <laughs> weeks ago. I had an early I had an early call, and I was like, you know, down a cup of coffee, get on the road to run. And I was like, oh, nope, I'm turning nope. back. No, nope. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah, not okay. Not okay. Yep. <laughs> you got it, though. You're fine. The one thing I remember hearing, and I, I can't remember what it was, is um, to avoid uh, protein because protein is harder to digest uh, when you're on. So things like eggs. You don't want to eat eggs. You want to eat things that are easily digestible. So like, you know, any kind of breads. Oatmeal. Oatmeal is pretty good because that's not going to um, – that'll give you a good base. That'll, that'll fill you up, and it's pretty much all carbs anyway, so – you know that's that's not a bad um, bad choice. When I when I would if I had like a run like a race like a 5k or 10k or something, that's normally what my go-to would be. Is I would you know put it in a paper cup, and then you know right as you were getting ready to, to get going, I would you know down that because that would give you some some decent fuel. Uh, but again, that was a 5k 10k, so that's you know, by our standards that's nothing, right? That's basically <laughs> walking to the end of the driveway and back. But um, but a half is uh, a half is hard. I remember I so I did a half back in November, and what I remember about that is that it was it was actually a a unseasonably cold day, so it was like in the in the twenties that day, and I was like really really worried about you know what I was gonna wear and you know not being too hot while I was running because I, I always run and I get hot and I'm always worried about, well, if I have to take this off, where am I going to do it? You just, like, ditch it on the side of the road. And that's what people do for those cold runs. So if you have a jacket or a hat, and my understanding is that after the race, they go and they collect all of the clothing, and they take the clothing, and they, and they donate it. So I didn't, I didn't know that, because if I had known that, I probably would have brought, you know, some burner sweatshirt or something and, and, and ditched it. So I didn't even uh, mm-hmm. didn't, didn't think about that. But what I, what I remember is I went really light, and I just had kind of like, you know, whatever, you know, running – running pants and running shirt on and a hat and you know for like the first four or five miles I was fine but then I started to sweat and then I got like really you know I was really wet and then I got really really cold and I remember I couldn't do anything to not be cold so like for like the second half of the race I was like you know almost hypothermic because it was just so friggin cold because when you when you, you I mean you don't know it until you run that far that you know, doing you know six miles is way different than doing 13 miles because you got to kind of plan what happens you know as your body heats up and then now you're you're generating heat and now all of a sudden you're getting cold because you know of all the you know all the moisture that you know you didn't really plan for so that was that was a learning experience I was not expecting that to be that cold if anything I was worried I was going to be too hot. Yeah, but no. you won't have that problem, Colin. <laughs> You're gonna be more worried about being uh, being hot than you are. That's why nah. you gotta hydrate. You'll be fine. There's, You'll be there's, fine. It, any any kind of respectable um, half marathon has hydration stations. So oh well, yeah, you no, you know so um, so um, so the thing is that this they canceled the 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 official one for this weekend. Uh-huh. Uh, ju- just a couple weeks ago, so a uh, f- bunch of us are going to do it. We're going to be properly socially distanced, etc., and just do it. Um, but there's no chip timing, etc., because I, I've been oh. training for it. I'm still going to fucking do it. So yeah, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's um, 
yeah, so we'll see. Well, but we do have we do have a hydration plan. We do have hydration. We're gonna have some people standing by, like passing stuff out here. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. I um I've done several now, uh, at least ten, and they've all been great. Just do you, you'll be fine. You train for it, right? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you've already got a couple in that are basically you know uh, um, a half marathon anyway. Well, I, so I so I, I ran a great ten this weekend. Um, at a fantastic time. I ran 12 the weekend before, and the last two miles killed me. It was literally just sheer willpower to move my legs forward. Mm -hmm. And it was partially because I slept in a little bit, and it was hot. And so it was 90 degrees for the last hour, and it just drained me. Yeah. So. Yeah. I did, I did one in like 80 some odd degree weather in Chicago and never again. <laughs> like, nope. Yeah, that's tough. I, the running in the heat, you know, I, that, I, I go as early as possible just to avoid it from being too hot. But when it's humid out, there's nothing you can do. When it's muggy, it's muggy. It's just the way it is. But, uh, but yeah, no, we'll be pulling for you. I can't wait to see your, uh, your Strava post on Saturday. Uh, to see yeah, we'll see, yeah up with so that'll be cool all right so yeah. kind of uh, wrapping up here so i believe so this is episode 14 we got episode 15 coming up next um and our host for our next episode is going to be melissa so melissa any thoughts on a what we're drinking and b what are we going to talk about mm -hmm. yeah i do actually Ooh. um we're gonna go still kind of fun um so for the wine a complete change of pace in that we're gonna do a honey wine or mead mm, so, nice yay yeah. mead um and then for the technology we're going to go with music technology actually Ooh. so um we've done a lot of kind of outdoor stuff i thought i thought now is the time to talk about music technology and anything is fair game so uh, we'll leave it open and see what happens. All right. I think that's awesome. solid. Honey wine, is it now, – now I'm going to have to ask the question. Is that more or less um, – um, uh, is it harder to find than, a, uh, than, a, than an orange wine? It is easier, easier. to find than an or, orange wine. Okay. Um, okay. Just look for mead. Yeah. So okay. that's going to be the thing you look for is mead. Okay. Got it. And, and there's a wide variety of them, Scott, as well. They're, you know, they can be super sweet. They can be, you know, semi-sweet. And so just look for them. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Yep. I like that. And then music technology. Awesome. Yep. Got it. I yeah, I was going to go with the ice wine, and it was super hard to find. So I, so I switched. Oh, I like so. ice wine, but yes. <laughs> okay. We, okay. we will do ice wine at a future time. Well, obviously, yeah, but I got to order wine for you guys because I know what I'm doing next. So but yeah, I'm, thinking, I'm already thinking two weeks ahead. So I got to, because it'll mm -hmm. be too hard for you. Yeah. All right, good. Yes, anything that you can do to uh, to simplify would be would be great. So, all right, well, cool. So, I think uh, you know we we've got episode fourteen um, in the bag here, so to speak. So, um, guys, thanks as always. Um, cool stuff. I've got about a third of my bottle left, so I'm gonna go uh, watch a little bit of uh, Umbrella Academy and uh, and finish my wine and get ready for the uh, for the upcoming weekend. So cool. So. Um, Colin, good luck on uh, Saturday. Thank you. Um, you know, 
just hydrate, right? And uh, mm -hmm. Melissa, good luck with the glue on the stairs uh, <laughs> to make sure make sure you have an exit strategy. So as you're going either up or down the stairs and gluing, you can get yourself back out again. So uh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm just gonna glue on down and uh, uh, leave it alone for a week. So well, a weekend. All right. So, yeah. Well, cool. So uh, for for uh, Colin and Melissa, I'm Scott and. Thanks, everybody, for joining in, and we will see you for uh, the next episode, uh, hopefully in another week or so. So thanks for listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks. thanks, peace out. Good drinking.